0: Did you know Super Awesome Mix has an app? Go to the Apple App Store today and download Super Awesome Mix. It's free. You can start creating and sending your own digital mixtapes in just a few clicks. Also, there's links to our Instagram account and a link where you can follow your favorite podcast. Speaking of which. Hey, Super Awesome listeners. Matt here. Me and Sam are taking the week off for Thanksgiving. But first, I just want to take a moment to say how thankful we are to all of you for listening. We are in season two. We have had such an amazing year. We got nominated for an award. We didn't win, but hey, just being nominated is pretty cool. Um, We're so thankful. We get so many great messages from all of you. Of course, we've got different products going on. Our Super Awesome Mix cards are still really popular. The conversation cards, we're hoping to get that Kickstarter funded. Um, so many cool things happening around the podcast and we're already planning for season three. So don't you worry, we're not going anywhere, but this week, instead of a new episode from us, we wanted to feature our sister podcast. What are you listening to each week? Jen Tully brings in a guest and they talk about what music they're listening to. Here's one of their more recent episodes. Hope you enjoy it. Subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. And hey, while you're at it, do the same for the Super Awesome Mix podcast. Go ahead and leave us a rating, a review, share it with your friends. We love doing the show and we can't thank you enough for listening. So enjoy this episode of What Are You Listening To? And we'll be back next week with an all new Super Awesome Mix.
1: Hey, Don. Hey, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To This Week, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite songs, some old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Don Cento, producer, guitarist, and composer based right here in Austin, Texas. He has recorded, toured, and or shared the stage with the likes of Sarah Jaffe, Ume, Little Jack Melody, and Chomsky, just to name a few. Don also records his own music under the name El Cento and co-leads the instrumental band Shibboleth. Also, did you know that now on Spotify, you can listen to the show with the songs we discuss incorporated? Just search for What Are You Listening To With Music? If you're not listening on Spotify, be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune into our conversation. With that, let's get started. Don, what are you listening to this week?
2: Well, Jen, I got two songs for you. The first is and I'm going to get this name wrong I'm going to mispronounce the title because it's not English, so I apologize in advance for that <laughs> but it's by an artist uh, named Aruj Aftab, and the song is called "Mohabbat, Mohabbat," uh, which is the Urdu word for love. And this is uh, a song that came to me via a friend uh, named Gavin Hobson, who's from the U.K and okay. he was recently visiting my wife and I, and he's a, a dedicated record collector, and he has a very eclectic taste and leans toward the experimental and uh, just an all-around fascinating guy. So I just asked him, I literally asked him, what are you listening to this week? And <laughs> he mentioned this artist. I think he had seen her live in the UK fairly recently. But uh, Aruj Aftab is a Pakistani musician. Uh, she's currently living in New York. mm mm-hmm. uh, don't know where she was born. I, I think she might have been born in Saudi Arabia, but I couldn't really figure that out. Um, so she is just a fascinating person. She's a composer. Uh, She started out really young in Pakistan Uh, with a couple of songs that kind of hit the, there was no indie or underground scene there, but she did some recordings when she was younger and that sort of created that scene according to the internet. that's cool. But uh, she then moved to the U.S. and went to the school in Berkeley uh, in Boston, with, ended up with a double major in jazz composition and music production and engineering, which is pretty awesome. And so this song, Mohabat, is her musical interpretation of, an, of a poem uh, from, I believe, the early, early 20th century, so the 1920s, by, Yeah. and here's another name I'm going to mispronounce, Hafiz Hashiapuri. Puri, Mohabat. So he wrote that in the 20s, and it's a love poem. It's, she calls it a tragicomic love poem. She says it's very sad, but it's also hilarious. And um, in reading her uh, translation, I kind of get where she's coming from. There's a great video on the internet of her sort of breaking it down. But it's just, the, the um, obviously, I didn't come to it because of the title or anything, because I don't speak Urdu but just the the sonic nature of the song is really beautiful and really ethereal and she's got an amazing voice and she's kind of uh, she's accompanied by a harp and um a guy playing violin affected violin um i believe there's some guitar on this one too there's a guitar elsewhere on the record but it's really fascinating it's very slow moving it's very it evolves very slowly it's gossamer it's you know dark and light um and i kind of there there are it, it had this love poem is starts out. It is very sad, but I do kind of feel the sort of the tragicomic undercurrent in the song that she talks about. I never would have gotten that out of the lyrics but now now that she says that I can't help but see it
1: well and i I, I was reading too I had not heard this song I was not familiar with this artist um, and then in digging around I was like oh wait I have heard this song um pitchfork did a write-up on her and Time magazine mentioned this song I think it one of their seven best yeah. at a year end it was on one of Obama's I think his 2021 summer playlist which i so I, I I'm pretty sure that's where I heard it um but it just it didn't register and so going back and spending a little bit more time with it, it really does. It feels like a meditation and it's a long song. It's, I think it's upwards of seven minutes. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, and it's a, fairly short poem. So you get a lot of instrumentation in there. Um, but it really is, I, I wrote a couple of notes about it. It does sound like a meditation. And I think that was something she said too, that it's a meditative song about love and letting go. Yeah. She was doing an interview, I think for the Berkeley College of Music, like alumni newspaper. Yeah. And that's what she said. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then this is interesting, but for people that were fans of the show, it also sounded like a song from an episode of This Is Us. Like I'm not sure who did <laughs> the musical direction for that but like um what's his name Michael Kiwi- Kiwakawa you know he became really popular after yeah. he had a song in there and then did the theme song for Big Little Lies and yeah. you know the, in the show This Is Us the um the main character played by Mandy Moore who's also a singer um reference she was a big fan of Joni Mitchell so they throw in a lot of Joni Mitchell songs mm-hmm. um but the, but that show had a very kind of clear soundtrack and a musical feel right. and presence. It was almost like an extra character in the show because right. there was so much music in it. And that that was something that I thought about in listening to this song. Um, and then it's really, it's again, I read some of the translation of the poem and the lyrics are really beautiful. It says, Seeing how you have ample lovers around you, I will not be one of them. This is sad, as I love you the most. The sadness of this is equal to the sadness of all the world. And were there not this one sadness, how much happiness would there be? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, wow, that that got um heavy pretty fast. It really did. It's sort
2: of like a, uh, it's it's deep and moving, but it's also sort of like a high school. Mat- yeah, it's very, very, pe- very. Uh, I don't know the word petty. It's a little petty. And, and- a little. Oh. It's funny. And I think that's sort of the tragic, I think that's sort of the comic aspect of it too, is it sort of just makes this huge left turn.
1: Well, and it makes me feel a little bit um, less alone or unique in my position that this poem was written in the 1920s. So, like a hundred years later, we're still experiencing these feelings. You know, I think a right. little spoiler alert later in the show. To to no one's surprise, we are going to get to some Taylor Swift. Um, and I think that that like this sort of goes along with that, right? The the feeling is universal, whether it was written you know last month or a hundred years ago. Like right. this sort of like love and longing and loss and desire and sadness, like been around forever. Right. It's going to be around forever. It's not going anywhere. That's right. And so I felt <laughs> like um this song was a great representation of that. Um, Tell me about your second pick this week.
2: All right. So my second song is another non-English song by another strong female artist. Uh, And I'm going to mispronounce this as well. Undia... God.
1: (laughs) Qualcara. Qualcara.
2: Undia Qualcara. All right. By Silvana Estrada. Estrada. uh, From an album called Marchita. And this is another one, like you mentioned earlier with the previous song, like this artist has been making waves for a long time big waves, and I have not caught any of them, Yes, <laughs> which is nothing new. But um, this was brought to my attention by a friend named Brian Ferguson, who's a great drummer that I work with occasionally. We were having lunch one day, and just, hey, what are you listening to this week? Again.
1: Great question. Just
2: like your show. <laughs> um, and he mentioned this artist and a couple others, but this one kind of struck me, and she has a few other records, and she's another really Uh, precocious young person. Like her first record, I think, was when she was 17, 16. Yeah, she was really young. With a jazz great, uh, Charlie Hunter. Again, oddly enough, another studied jazz person. Yeah. Just, you know, coincidentally. Um,
1: Which, for our listeners that don't know, you did as well. I did that as well.
2: I haven't had as much success as these fabulous musicians. But hey, I'm here (laughs) right now with you.
1: That's right. That's right. The pinnacle of your career right right here. I'm happy. I'm happy to be
2: here. (laughs) So she, those early records were very jazzy, and they didn't grab me, and that's fine. They're great, but it didn't grab me. But this new one that came out, I guess, last year is, I guess they, like they say, she went back to her roots, and they stripped all the, the frills and the, all the bells and whistles away, and it's just her voice, and she plays a little guitar-y kind of instrument, which I've, I can't remember the name of it.
1: It's a Venezuelan quattro guitar. Thank you. I believe.
2: Thank you. Um, So there's a lot of that, but the instrumentation's really uh, spare and sparse. There's a lot of great strings, a lot of great horns, but nothing is really uh, overdone or overcooked. And this song is one of the least dense songs. It's just her voice, and sounds like about five or six people in the back stomping and snapping. Yes. And then there's an organ solo in the middle, which is awesome. Yes. And um, it's a really great... Vocal performance again. The lyrics are kind of lost on me, but the vocal performance is really passionate. Impassioned. Um, the whole recording is super cool, and that just really struck me. And so that's uh, and she's uh, nominated for a Latin Grammy. Okay. Okay. I don't think we mentioned that the previous artist Aruj Shahab won uh, a Grammy at the twenty-two Grammys. Okay. For the best global music performance. So these people are kicking butt. Um, but again, she's been everywhere, and I'm just now finding her.
1: Same, yeah. I mean, she's she's a Mexican artist, as you mentioned. She has three albums, and she's 25 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, she's been out there, and and I too loved this. Was an interesting challenge for me. You know, again, I, I say it almost every episode. I love lyrics; uh, they're a big driving force in like the music that I choose to listen to. And this one, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to read a translation. Right. I want to listen to it. I want to see how I feel. I did translate the title, which means any given day, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but I just wanted to like feel the song and just sort of what was my interpretation of it without translating the lyrics and for me it's like you said you know there's this drum that keeps the cadence and, and then there's stomping and I couldn't tell if it was clapping or snapping I wrote back and forth that yeah, like I'm not yeah. sure which thing they're doing but that's really it and it just keeps this steady cadence throughout the whole song yep. and as I'm thinking about um, when this episode drops it will it will drop on Halloween and spooky. so I was in spooky um, and so I was thinking a little bit about that too while I was listening like this feels perfect for uh, um, you know, like Halloween, or even like not Halloween, but, you know, Dia de los Muertos, which is, uh, you know, a, a different a different kind of holiday. I'm certainly not implying that it is Mexican Halloween. It is not. <laughs> I am aware of that. Right. Um, but this just felt almost like a funeral procession, you yeah. know, so it was conjuring that, like, you know, um, that we often go to Dia de los Muertos celebrations in San Antonio. And, you know, they have this big parade at the end, and this community altar where you can put pictures and things and, candles mm-hmm. and this just felt like a perfect song for that it was haunting and it was almost but not quite a cappella. like you mentioned the organ comes in towards the end yeah. and then really kind of like spooks it out um so i thought that this was such a cool song and an artist that i'm so happy to know now yeah. and we'll go back and just continue to listen to old music that she's produced before and see what she does next because yeah. i just thought this was such a cool such a cool song. Um, it worked really well. And, and I think it was also a perfect segue into my first pick, at least musically. The, the, um, the sound and the sentiment are similar. Um, so with that, my first pick, of course, I, again, to the surprise of no one, um, <laughs> I picked a song from Taylor Swift's new Midnight's album called Vigilante Shit.
2: Another artist that's been everywhere that I've never heard of. <laughs>
1: right. She was, um, you know, she's born in Pennsylvania, then moved to Nashville. Let me tell you this story. Um, no, I mean, please, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Midnight's. I live for a new Taylor Swift album. Um, I love the whole album. I love the 3 a.m. version, you know, that gave us, I think, seven extra songs. Mm-hmm. And I just think in terms of, like, writing a song, it's it's really hard for me to find anybody else that puts that can turn a phrase the way she does right. and make it be so impactful or so relatable or say exactly what it is. You know, I think a lot of us think and, and can't put to words. Um, and she opens this one with just like pure Taylor Swift magic um, in draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man. I'm like, That just stands alone for me. I mean, (laughs) you can't. It's just her lyrics are brilliant always. And even I say this a lot about bands, even if you don't like a particular artist, I think you have to acknowledge where talent exists. Sure. And for me... That's I think Taylor Swift is just one of the quintessential songwriters of our day. Um, that's a bold statement, and I love singer-songwriters and I love lyrics. I say it all the time, and and for me, that statement just rings true with her. I think she just she she writes lyrics that I think are some of the best I've ever heard.
2: Well, it's hard to argue with success. I mean, she's not my first go-to, although I do listen to her records, and I think she has a great sensibility making records. The lyrics may not be written for me as a 49-year-old male. (laughs) um, But I do, I mean, I clearly appreciate her, the way she turns a phrase. A lot of them, constantly. Especially in the song, Vigilante Shit has a bunch of great lyrics in it. it. Like I said, you just can't argue with success
1: and I think you know a lot of people of course she loves easter eggs she's famous for you know just layering all kinds of things yeah. in. that as a person that loves pop culture like I do that's fun too it's like an added bonus on anything that she releases to know that you're going to get kind of these side stories and um, people speculating about what certain things mean right. um, and so you know again I think another great song uh, another great thing about this song is that it's straight up like revenge fantasy right yeah, like yeah. the whole thing and how many times I, I know I've done it. I don't think I'm unique in that where you're you you know, you're laying in bed at night and you're replaying a scenario in your head and thinking of like all the great things that you could have said oh, you sure, know, yeah. had you not been so taken aback in the moment or so angry or whatever. Yeah. And so I love that you sort of get that satisfaction in this song. You get right. to hear all of the great one-liners about, you know, like, I don't start shit, but I can tell you how it ends. Right. You know, that's a great, like, that's one of those things where in the middle of an argument, like, oh, if I could remember that Zinger, you know right. how great would that have been? Or um, on the weekends, I don't dress for friends. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge. Right. You know, where you're just like, yes, she nailed it. And so that that was what I was going to say in terms of theme for this show. Um, you know, it could be a ladies' night, girl power episode. But really, since it's releasing on Halloween, I'm like, any dudes out there that were happy <laughs> when women were quiet and non-threatening, like, be scared. Be right. scared of today's selections, because we've got four really powerful women coming at you from all over the globe um, with amazing talents. And so. ver-
2: varying levels of anger. You yes. Have, you said something about Taylor Swift, which I was, I was kind of thinking about, too. You said Easter eggs, and she has, is her own sort of Marvel universe. Like, right. it's so many callbacks to her personal life, which has played out all over Instagram and mm-hmm. TikTok and everything. I think it's sort of, it feels natural coming from her, but it also, it also is very much of this time. Like, I think she has figured out how to use every tool at her disposal to get her music out there to the world. You know?
1: Yeah, and I think she genuinely likes that. You know, like, oh, I yeah, think yeah, she yeah. genuinely operates that way. Like,
2: yeah, I feel like, like you were saying, like, Maybe you're about to say this but it's like it's all her idea. Like yeah. I don't I don't think she necessarily has a team directing her every move. Like I think she works with a giant team. Sure. But I think a lot of it comes from her brain.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, whenever you're listening to a song like Vigilante Shit, you know, and a lot of people have speculated, and I don't really, for me, I'm like, it's not really that thinly veiled, you know, that it's about Scooter Braun and that whole drama that went down. But I'm like, I don't know what I admire more about it, like the ballsiness or like um, the fact that she is was able to pull it off, you know, re-recording all of her songs and basically rendering his catalog unusable or unprofitable at best yeah. you know it's like I think that that's just amazing. Like anybody that can that can make a gamble like that, whether her team was advising her for or against it, like the fact that she was like, this is how we're gonna do it. You right. know, I just, I think there are a few artists that wield that kind of power. And so I respect and admire that she's not shrinking. She's not, you know, nobody's putting her in a corner, right? right. Like, she's doing what she wants to do and she's making sure she's getting taken care of too.
2: I think that a lot of artists have done that. like. ELO has done that, Def Leopards done that, re-recorded their old hits, but I think she has managed, just because of the the amount of power that she wields in the industry, just, like you said, to just negate the previous catalog, mm-hmm. and I think she has such a rabid fan base, like everybody actively ignores the previous records. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: It is. It really is. Um, and while we're talking about powerful women, I'm gonna <laughs> segue into my second pick, um, which was also from a new album that came out at the end of September, um, and it's a song called "Burning" by Yaya yeah, Yaz. Yeah, yes. Um, So, of course, like everyone, I love Karen O and I love Ya Ya Ya's. And this new album has delivered on so many levels. And I chose Burning because I often, you know, anybody that knows me knows I love a good mixtape and feel like, you know, a a hidden talent, a little known fact is that I can put together a mixtape for any occasion. And so a Halloween playlist is always a favorite for mine. And so I often include Heads Will Roll um, because I think that's such a great Halloween-ish kind of song and I'm like well now Burning might kind of replace that a little bit you know this song musically it's like three songs in one you know right, with the time yeah. changes and, and the, the key changes the way that she changes the pacing and cadence of how she's singing like it's just again I'm like I'm looking at your face and I'm wondering am I using completely incorrect <laughs> musical terminology um, but for me like it does it feels like I'm getting like three songs in one with this song
2: well I agree and I think just I don't remember the lyrics off the top of my head but I was reading them last night it seems like it is about change, about a change of state from water to fire, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of, I'm not sure exactly what, what, uh, what the metaphor is, but there's a lot of change. I like, there's so much repetition, you know, she'll have a phrase and just repeat it over and over and over and, and own, you know, not only someone like Karen O, but certainly Karen O is one of the best. She has such a great voice, just pulls me in. She's such an amazing front person. Yep. Have you ever seen them live? Yes. Did you see, we saw them Two years ago, whenever they were here in Austin, it was so awesome.
1: Yeah, she's unreal. She's yeah, unreal. She's and, fantastic. And I think the imagery in this song, too. Like you can, and again, I, I, I did find she, Karen O oh told Rolling Stone the song is about if the world is on fire, I hope the most beloved stay protected and that we do all we can to protect what we cherish most in this life. Burning is a song about that feeling. Smoke signals for the soul. So that's sort of what she said it was about. And for me, like if I close my eyes and listen to the song, I can almost see her like pouring gasoline everywhere, dropping a match and walking away. (laughs) You know, like it's just like, it's that's what it feels like to me, like sort of this witch hunt vibe. Um, And I don't know if it's because it references water and then burning. Um, And then she has this cool trick, you know, where she calls out the bad and then she counters it with how she's good or like able to rise above it. You know, there's there's a a line that like you we were talking about, she kind of repeats where she says, caught you hiding in the smoke, 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 mm-hmm. like a meteor, I glow, glow, glow. And then later on in the song, she says what they're hiding there is broke, 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 like the river sticks. I flow, flow, flow. Yeah. You know, like, so she comes back with these really cool. And then, um, you know, she says, what are you going to do when you get to the water? Well, I'll release her from the bindings of her teachers. And you're like, okay, sure. all right. Like that sounds... <laughs> you know again just a super bold statement by yeah. a bold artist and a band that i'm always excited every time a new album comes out by yeah yeah yes i'm like there for it
2: i was very excited that they made another record
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. And also, too, just her influence in so much of music today. You know, Mm -hmm. I often hear young artists, especially young female artists, talk about what an influence that Karen O was. And one that pops to mind that we were just talking about is um, Japanese Breakfast. I know that she loves Karen O, and, like, you know, that's, like, a hero to her. And I love that you can hear those influences Mm -hmm. in, you know, when you're listening to Japanese Breakfast. Like, I can hear something that I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do the way that it, it comes full circle like that. It's awesome. Well, Don, thanks for sharing with me once again what you're listening to this week. To learn more about Don and listen to his music, you can follow him on Instagram at El Cento or visit his website, doncento.com. That's E L C E N T O, or the website is D O N C E N T O.com. And to our listeners, Please join me again next week to find your new favorite song.
0: Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop dlmsupplyco.com. And enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's dlmsupplyco.com.